this is Roger Green, host of the podcast still known for now as Surfing the Nash Tsunami. Today we are offering four conversations from episode 35, in which Jorn Schottenberg, Louise Campbell, and I joined together for the first time in a month to look back at the first half of 2023 and forward to the second half in terms of the episodes and lessons. Plus, we have a vault episode from last November addressing the psychology of diet decision making. This conversation starts by continuing to focus on the new nomenclature, but then moves on quickly to Louise Campbell's highlight, which is that patients now play a larger role in all facets of education and drug development. Jorn Schottenberg agrees with Louise and suggests that the level of patient involvement in this disease is far greater than what he's observed elsewhere. I agree with both these statements, although I have caveats about the need over time to move forward from simply including patient voices to listening to what they have to say and taking guidance from them a little more successful. From here, we switch to my highlight, which is actually a combination. A combination of NIT development that will make these tests more pivotal in patient diagnosis and management, and separately, new artificial intelligence modalities that utilize biopsy results to produce better pictures and a far more sophisticated level of disease understanding than we've had to date. Nor will we both comment on issues they consider pivotal and highly valuable in terms of the use of NITs and lessons from AI, in essence, drilling down on the topics that I've raised. Reviewing this episode and the various conversations reminded me of how much information has become available already this year and what it pretends in terms of future episodes and an ever-increasing explosion of new information about liver disease and drugs and tests, etc. It's quite a lot to digest. Very excited to consider particularly going forward. So sit back, listen, learn, and when you're done, join the dialogue on our LinkedIn discussion group. Louise Campbell. Staying on the same theme, I think the first half of the year with NASHTAG and moving forward for the ISA board and obviously the nomenclature is the presence of patients in and around those discussions. Also in the relationship to designing trials. So I do think we have come leaps and bounds in getting patients. One of my highlights of the year is this involvement of patients in all of their major concerns to be able to discuss it. Whether or not everybody felt they were heard may well be be a difference of opinion for some, but there is a genuinely bigger involvement, I think, in the last two years for patients. And they have been involved. And we highlighted in how poor we thought the ISA review was, but then GLI were invited back to the ISA conversation. So maybe somebody's listening or maybe people are really interested in the patient voice, even if they don't necessarily always agree with the patient voice. But there is a growing presence. And we've had Obviously, Anthony Velotti, Michael Battelle and others, Donna and Jeff and Wayne. So I think it's testament that we are involved with them from the patient platforms. And I do think all of the organisations are now there and drug trials. So that's been encouraging for me over the last six months to see that positivity. Jörn Schattenberg. Big salute to, I mean, all these patients that come on here and put all that energy into representing other patients and, and voicing patients' interest in this process. This is such a unique opportunity opportunity and strength for this field that this is driven with patients, giving them the opportunity to voice their thoughts, but also them investing and raising their voice and stepping up. There's, I mean, I haven't, can't say that I've at that level looked into too many disease areas, but I think this is special for this area here. And I appreciate that. As a physician, I, I highly value this contribution. It's such an important aspect in, in trying to define what are the next and important steps. Roger Green. Uh, and I wholeheartedly agree with a caveat and a thought. 
The caveat is for the case study, let it be noted that among the people who are most concerned about the name change are the patient advocacy organizations who operate on thin budgets and have to change all their educational materials. And I've heard that from four or five, that they wish they had had more time so that they could have planned better and differently because they've now got to get all their materials right. I think they'll get help in doing it. I believe they'll do it. And that's why I specifically said, let's put that for the case study. Next time it's something that can go better. I think it's totally surmountable if people want to surmount it, number one. Number two, Louisa, a marriage counselor friends of mine described the difference between what you want to hear and what you want to listen to. You've made the point in the past, both on this podcast and to me privately, that nurses get listened to a lot more when they're mostly in agreement than when they're mostly not. Did I say that nicely enough? Definitely. And I think the same would be true of patients. So we probably want to work a little bit on the discipline of absorbing and recalculating as compared to merely put the voice in the room. But that said, I totally agree with you. The voice is way more in the room than it was two years ago. And that's a big step in the right direction because until you put the voice in the room, you can't hear it anyway. So doesn't matter. It's just we need more progress. That's all. Mine, I think, is non-invasive. Mine is NITs. And I think some of that's driven by nail NIT, some of that's driven by technological development. Some of that's driven by an increasing appreciation of the complexity of the disease. So actually, NITs and AI together, which is that we're starting to see products come out of AI that present remarkably clearer images of what the liver is and how the liver works and where it works. Um, we've talked on this podcast about some work that Jorn, uh, about Sister Jorn shared that, that I visited uh, done by Histoindex where they were actually able to take a look at Aldeferman and I forget what the other drug was, Jorn, Resmeterol maybe, and see where they worked in the liver and how they worked. And they worked in different places in different ways. That stuff is going to be really helpful as we start to figure out what the problem is that we're trying to solve. It's also helpful because as we know more about NITs and have more ways to use them, the more we know about the liver, the more we'll be able to design an NIT to do that. Those two in tandem, AI for learning, NIT for implementation, will I think allow us to move way past this question of, well, what reduces fibrosis? And you can see the road, that's a really bright road. I think you're right. And I think the expansion of knowledge that we now have with all of the data, it has been astronomical. We can now track people's development and health improvements and health deterioration through many non-invasive technologies. It was going to be my second highlight. So I'm glad you nicked it because, of course, for me, it's also the fact that in real world, we're going to be able to attain knowledge, but from not the perfect trial patient because NICE have approved FibroScan, which has taken a long time and a couple of years to get there, but it's been worth every hour that myself and lots of other people have spent to try and get this across the line to give it access in primary care. How long that takes it will be a different matter because, of course, it's a new skill, it's a new speciality, and people in primary care tend to get scared of the word liver. We can prove that it's friendly, that it's approachable. The majority of patients with poor liver health or liver disease can be managed managed appropriately in primary care if we know who they are. So for me, a nation like the United Kingdom approving, and England particularly with NICE, approving FibroScan and that level of non-invasive direct to the shop floor, as it were, is obviously a highlight of the non-invasive movement that we've got outside the clinical trial world, obviously. It's a big highlight for me too. It's a big step forward and showing how far NITs have been brought and the quality and the extent we can use them to make clinical decisions and manage the patients, also referral pathways. If I think back to mainland Europe, you will have to do a lot of education. You said that, Roger, in the beginning. You'll have to implement practice 
patterns changes because something that's happening now is testing and if the result comes up with an abnormal value there's a reflex referral and i think with the refined nits we don't need those reflex referrals anymore we could actually cut back on referrals not every healthcare system values that decrease in referrals so there's not the same incentive for all physicians to actually use these tests in decreasing referrals but in particular with a nice in the uk this is something that's being measured and monitored so that's one of the reasons why it's been so successfully implemented there. But if we use those NITs wisely and educate our fellow physicians over time, they'll be ready to adopt that, even if the you know referral automatisms are not as critical to them, maybe. But physicians are ready to take on and accept new tests to manage their patients and provide better outcomes. You are not fond of saying someone has to go first, because if no one goes first, then you never get the data to demonstrate that a change that people are reluctant to make is actually worth making. I was joking on a phone call with somebody else yesterday about a cartoon that has not been drawn yet, but could be, of a primary care doctor sitting at his desk reading a newspaper headline that says, clinical care pathways move liver treatment to primary care. And the thought balloon goes, I've still got 12 minutes. What do I do now? And the follow-on to that is exactly what you said, which is right now, they're not doing anything. But the more we can move NITs into use so that it doesn't become a reflex referral, it simply becomes part of what you're testing for in the first place. I think we can find real benefit. And I think the UK really is driving on this. And, And it's great that you're going first, Louise. I also believe the capitalist in me believes that as eScopics and Sonic Insights become factors in the market, that will improve also because it will change the debate from do you get a fiber scan or not to which machine do you put in your office to do the best job of what you want to do. And EchoSense starts out with a huge advantage. And I think they will benefit. A rising tide will lift that ship because the tide's going to go up so much. But it will change the question and it will change the education. And I think it will make in office devices a much bigger part of the picture over the next two, three, five years. I think it will. And the more you discuss something, the more people learn and the more people get interested. And I think sparking the discussion is often the most difficult part. We need liver trending. It is your superhero after all. It should be trending. And now back to Roger. We hope you've enjoyed this recording. If you have any questions or comments about the content of this conversation or the entire episode, please put them in the review section of the page from which you downloaded the conversation or send an email to questions at surfingnash.com. If you have suggestions for episodes you'd like to see us prepare in the fall, that would be the right way to send those to us as well. We'll be back next week, ideally with one of the conversation topics Louise Campbell discussed in conversation four of this episode. Until then, stay safe, surf on. We'll see you on the podcast. Bye-bye now.